Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. All right, we've got an interesting show today. To start, Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, where I'm from, uh, he said we're underpopulated in America, so let's, you know, replace all the unborn babies that the left encouraged American women to abort with the 11 million illegal immigrants that deserve to become U.S. citizens. Oh, yeah, sounds like a good little math equation right there. Uh, number two, Trump officially announced he's running for president in 2024. We're going to go over his speech and DeSantis's reaction. Number three, the GOP officially is in the House majority, and they just announced an investigation into Joe Biden. I wanted to show you some clips from that. And to finish, we have the cultural revolution in America upon us, you guys. This time, I a horrible video, but the girl trashes her own father at his funeral. It became a viral video and I can't help it. I'm very interested in the correlation between what's happening in America today and the Chinese cultural revolution of the past and in other communist uprisings. And I think we're seeing something very similar here with the breaking up of the American nuclear family, the separation that's occurring between very politicized young Americans and their poor parents. Oh my gosh. Let's get on into it. Okay, before we get into the first topic, you've all helped build MyPillow into an, an incredible company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. Christmas through March 1st. The Giza bed sheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these, you guys. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing at $89.98, but now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. That's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, promo code MORGAN, morgan at mypillow.com, and use code MORGAN on the website. Wow! Oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, so let's get started with this one because it got me all fired up. We've got, we've got Senator Chuck Schumer just being a genius. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Okay, um, so let me get this straight. These politicians on the left have in every single way been making it so difficult or even just straight up incentivizing not having a family, not settling down, not having children. And now you're seeing one of the most prominent politicians on the left, Senator Chuck Schumer, tell us that because Americans haven't been procreating, we should be filling the holes that have been created in our society 
with the people, the millions of people that they are also bringing illegally into our country, incentivizing them to come. So they're saying, well, you know, you guys aren't the ones having kids anymore. And so we need to fill the gaps in American society with people that can can work and can contribute to society because you guys aren't having enough kids. What is this nasty gaslighting that we are experiencing right now? Not only are their economic policies making it incredibly difficult to do things like own a home or settle down or feel like they like Americans are ready to move into the phase of having kids, which is a struggle all in itself, but they're also just straight up incentivizing people to think that having kids is a burden. And that's not just politicians, but you have politicians, you have the mainstream media, you have pop culture, you have Hollywood, all of these different forces with one message that having children and settling down is a drain on your dreams, on your energy, on your life. Life ends at 30 when you get settled down and married and have kids. And so just hold off as long as you can. Don't even think about that stuff until you're in your 30s. Well, guess what? First of all, a lot of women agree with this narrative and then they grow up and they realize, wait a second. This actually makes you miserable. This actually is really not the best path for me as a woman. And I totally drank the Kool-Aid because why Why wouldn't I trust the people around me? Why wouldn't I trust the people that are saying they want to empower me and that they're all about progress and positivity? Like It turns out they're rejecting science. They're rejecting human nature. And they're rejecting the basic biology in terms of the differences of men and women. So you have all of these different forces and the narratives that are being pushed onto us from a very young age, incentivizing us not to settle down, not to have kids. Then you get the next layer of it, which is like, okay, now they're saying that because we're in economic hard times, people like Stacey Abrams go on national TV and say, well, the case uh, for dealing with inflation is making sure that women have access to abortion because that means that they are having a hard time financially. And to deal with inflation, we have to make sure that they have the empowerment to kill off their offspring because they can't afford them during these economic hard times. So you're saying that you, your policies made the economy so bad that people can't afford children anymore. And instead of trying to find a positive message here, you're saying, well, we should just make sure that they have the ability to kill off their child if they end up getting pregnant. Then you have the climate apocalypse. So you have AOC who will get on stage and she has cried before behind the podium on stage about the fact that she's scared to bring children into the world because of climate apocalypse, or they say that democracy is on the line. And so who wants to bring children into the world when we're going to have a civil war? I don't want to bring children into this scary, evil world. It's again and again and again. And so what do you know? On top of that, They then just continue to push not just for choice for women, but then they are straight up pro-abortion. So another angle to it. And guess what? People don't want to have kids anymore. People don't want to settle down as much anymore. And we are seeing a decrease in the American population in terms of procreation. Wow, I'm shocked. Everything that they say, everything that they do is against the family, is against children, is against creating a strong future generation. And then now they're telling us, well, what do you know? You guys didn't procreate enough, so now we have to fill the gaps. All the all the kids that you aborted, all the children that you didn't have, we need to fill the roles of what they should be doing in American society with a bunch of illegal people that are coming here because we're incentivizing them to come here with lax borders and the providing of welfare programs and housing and everything you could possibly need if you just walk across the southern border. It's disgusting. And I'm sorry, but if you have a hard time hearing the fact that, yes, I would like to have Americans be born, I would like to have us 
procreate and create future generations in our own nation. No nation can survive literally being replaced by outsiders. That's just a basic fact. I'm not anti-immigrant. I'm not anti-immigration. But if you guys read Age of Entitlement, by Christopher Caldwell, you'll see exactly what I mean. He lays out the numbers in a very basic way. No society can function in such an unsustainable manner in terms of the numbers of people coming in and from such lack of procreation from the citizens, from the people of that nation. So I'm just going to stop while I'm ahead here, but it's highly disgusting. It's pretty disturbing. And the fact that they incentivize the behavior that leads to this problem of depopulation is a whole new level of icky that I don't even want to wrap my head around right now because I'm kind of in a good mood. Uh, I'm getting over my cold, as you can see. So let's move on to the Trump thing. Trump just announced he's running for president in 2024. This was pretty much expected. We just didn't know when he would do it. Let's talk about a few different aspects of it. You guys, I'll be honest. I can barely keep up with the news these days. It's highly negative, right? I just can't. I recently got a TV. I've, I've told you guys that a few times. I recently got a TV and I thought, you know, maybe I'll become someone that can like wake up in the morning and turn the news on and just keep up with what's going on in the world by having that play in the background. Because usually it's like silent or I've got music on or whatever, but I cannot. I did it for about a week and I'm already drained in terms of just having my attention go from issue to issue to issue with all the news things that are popping up on the screen. I can't do it anymore. And so the constant negativity, the constant, oh, this crisis, then this crisis, it's truly exhausting. And so I not I usually like to watch as things happen. I like to watch the speeches. I like to watch the full stuff. But I'm just really drained right now. And so I didn't even watch the actual Trump announcement. I just said, I'm going to wait and and I'll maybe watch it tomorrow. And then I let a few things kind of pop out to me. I documented them and we're going to go over them. Uh, first thing that really caught my attention is the fact that Trump kind of went out there in a, a different tone. Now, some people were saying this is great, highly professional, this is what's needed. Others were saying, oh my gosh, that was boring. <laughs> and to that, I would say, boring? No, I would say more serious and strategic. Trump went from issue to issue. He kept things very serious in tone, and I think that was a very smart thing to do because a lot of people are kind of thrown off of what's about to happen, especially with the primary, if somebody's going to run against him, who knows what. But a lot of the criticism that Trump gets is the fact that you don't even know what you're really going to get with him half the time, and things have been a little unstable since 2020. So some people just want a more calm experience, and they want a DeSantis because he does all the good stuff that Trump does without some of the baggage as I guess that's a, a light way to put it. And so Trump kind of came out and said, you know, what? if that's what you guys are worried about, I'll address that right now. This is the tone that I'm setting for the campaign. There was really no name calling. There were no attacks. He was focused on the people and he came out and immediately a lot of people have not only been saying like, well, you know, DeSantis is a little more calm than him, but still gets the results and is still very dedicated to actually going up for the American people. It's all the good things about Trump. People are also saying that, you know, Trump seems a little focused on himself these days, and it's kind of been all about him making a comeback, and they didn't want it to be all about Trump making a comeback. This should be more about the people, and he kind of hit the nail right on the head there to start off the speech. Here he is here. This will not be my campaign. 
This will be our campaign altogether. Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. It's true. The American people, the greatest people on earth. We love them all. And we love both sides. We're going to bring people together. We're going to unify people. And it was happening in the previous administration, previous to the previous. And uh, what was bringing them together was success. Prior to COVID coming in, the people were calling me. That were calling. Okay, and so I showed that to you guys because kind of back in 2016, Trump succeeded so much because he was about the people, right? Versus Hillary Clinton, who was running one more time. She was running again on her birthday. Remember, right before the election, she posted like, happy birthday to this future president. And it was a picture of her as a kid. And then, of course, her campaign slogan was, I'm with her. And that's very Hillary focused. That's very focused on the individual when in reality, this should be more of a movement. And so people were kind of worried that perhaps this Trump 2024 thing would be kind of a repeat of the Hillary situation where the campaign was made more about bringing her back and restoring her reputation and her next phase as a politician. And, you know, maybe that would be the case with Trump, but he starts off strong and he's like, this is about you. And so it was kind of like the good old days is how I described it of like, man, I remember the 2016 campaign. I remember when he was campaigning or or when he was just president and it felt really nice to have a strong force in the White House. I was immediately remembering and recalling those moments. So that was definitely nice. The next thing, let's address this, this boring concept just a little bit more. Again, people want this political show. And I think that's why they were calling it boring is they just prefer the entertainment of it almost. And I think that's not a very good thing. What we need right now is a very serious Trump that of course can stand up for himself and stand up for us against the establishment and against the deep state. That's why we love him, right? That's why we all appreciated him so much when he was in office. So we want that. But then also I would say it's not that I'm like, oh, I hate his tweets and I hope he doesn't tweet badly anymore. That's not the vibe that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, I hope that he doesn't play petty politics, not because I can't stand the tweets, but because the state of the nation is in such a serious moment right now that it requires a very serious tone. You know what I mean? It's kind of like on the last episode, we talked about how the petty back and forth, not between DeSantis and Trump specifically, but between the consultants, between the media commentators, they're kind of sticking to one side or the other, and they're already making the other side into this enemy, which is, I think, silly. That, playing politics as usual, playing petty politics, it's kind of like a slap in the face to all the citizens of America that are concerned about themselves, their family, their children, their children's children in the future, and just the state of the republic. Like We really do believe that something bad is happening right now, and we want someone who understands the seriousness of this moment. And so I think that I really, that's why I appreciated how, you know, if you want to call it boring or not, how serious the tone was of Trump's announcement speech. So that's my my take on that. And then last thing, I recorded the last episode that came out on on Wednesday. I recorded that before he announced and then it came out after. But in the episode, I had said, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what he has to say about the vaccine. Now, in the speech, he didn't bring up, geez, I made a bunch of mistakes with the vaccine and I made a bunch of mistakes with Operation Warp Speed and all that stuff. 
no one really should be so negative and focusing on the past in a speech like this. I get that. But he will have to address that in the future. What he did do, though, is talk a lot about the vaccine mandates and make promises and commitments to walking back the ridiculousness of the tyranny from the Joe Biden administration, because a lot of the COVID stuff's gone wrong. And people were kind of hesitant to support Trump because he doesn't have the best track record with COVID. We all know that. I mean, how long did he put up with Fauci and the people in our federal government and the corporations and he promoted them? He brought Johnson and Johnson's guy on stage with him after information about that vaccine became pretty bad. I think literally the same day is that the same day that he brought the guy on stage to try and promote him. And that's just so off base from what his voters and his supporters are thinking and feeling at the time and still are. So he has to address it. And he did. Here he is talking about specifically the military vaccine mandate. We will abolish every Biden COVID mandate and rehire every patriot who was fired from our military with an apology and full back pay. Now, that's fantastic. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see. I want to hear him talk about that and every other serious issue that we're facing with with such clarity. I thought that was very admirable. Great job on that. And that's kind of it in terms of what I thought about it. You guys, I I am not a big... political campaign kind of gal, you know that, but I do think it's important to keep in touch with what's going on. I'm not going to go over every Trump speech, every political candidate speech, but when something sticks out to me, I will. Now, here's DeSantis handling it like a pro, this whole drama. I thought that this was a very, very nice way to approach this because this is kind of ridiculous if you ask me. And so I appreciate that DeSantis did this. He was asked about it a million times. I'm sure you can imagine. Just We just finished this election, okay? People just need to chill out a little bit on some of this stuff. I mean, seriously, we just ran an election. We have this Georgia runoff coming, which is very important for Republicans to win that Georgia runoff. I mean, I know around the country, uh, Florida was kind of the the biggest bright spot. It was not so bright in many other parts of the country. It was a it was a it was a substandard performance given the dynamics that are at play. So hopefully, we'll be able to be able to do that. But I think what people like me, who've been given the opportunity to continue, is okay. Uh, let's do something with that. And the reason why we want historic victory is at the end of the day, we led, we delivered, and we had your back when you needed us. That, that is why we won big. All right. With that being said, uh, we've got some other good news. Nancy Pelosi is uh, leaving all leadership positions in the House. She's not taking a single leadership position now that her party isn't in the majority. Republicans have majority of the House. And just to recap that, you guys, It's not like we have a Republican president. It's not like we just won a big slam dunk where now we also have the Senate. Pretty much the only victory at the federal level that we really got was winning the House majority. Now, that's not nothing. You still have now at least a check on the Biden administration in the White House and the executive branch. And then we also have the ability to check the bills that are going to be 
pushed out by the Senate. They have to be passed by both the House and the Senate before they go to Biden to be signed. So now the Republicans at least have control of the House and they can stop certain things from passing or at least can try and get some more compromise so that the legislation isn't so left leaning the way that we've seen it the last two years because we just had the Democrats in control of everything. They could just rubber stamp whatever they wanted and send it right to Biden to be signed or Biden was just doing his executive control on a lot of the stuff as well. So on top of that, providing that check, that balance to the left's power in Washington, D.C., the House now also has the ability to control the committees. So they have all of the leadership positions just in the House in general, but then also in the committees that are in charge of focusing on specific topics, specific categories of issues in our country. And it means they can hold hearings. So the fun updates here are going to be first, Nancy Pelosi is gone. So let's watch what that was. Now we must move boldly into the future, grounded by the principles that have propelled us this far and open to fresh possibilities for the future. Scripture teaches us that for everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. My friends, no matter what title you all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip, There is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. Okay, so that's going to be an interesting situation to watch because just for some context here, you guys, what we've been seeing over the last handful of years, starting kind of with AOC, back in 2018, is the rise of the Justice Democrats and other organizations like that that are trying to beat Nancy Pelosi types with AOC types. And and we've talked about that on previous episodes. So if you just search my name in the podcast bar and you can do like Justice Democrats, Morgan Seggers, and you'll probably be able to find the episodes where we really break down these organizations. But what they're doing and what AOC did for as an example in her race, was she ran in a primary against one of the highest Democrats in the country, one of Nancy Pelosi's closest buddies in Washington, D.C., who had been in office for a long time, and he was in a deep blue district. No Republican is ever going to win. And so really, whoever is put in office for that district is determined in the primary. So the Justice Democrats pick these kind of races and then put out submission forms, basically, where if you think you'd be a good candidate or if you know someone who would be a good candidate, you can apply. Somebody put AOC's name in, I'm pretty sure. But either way, she was selected to be ran as a Justice Democrats candidate against this Joseph Crowley, I believe his name was, who was Nancy Pelosi's friend in the primary of that district down in New York City. And she ended up winning. The Justice Democrats gives them all of this awesome media help, all of these great canvassers, funds, graphic design, pretty much everything you need to run a successful campaign. And what they're trying to do is get more people in office in Washington, D.C., that replace the Nancy Pelosi types with the AOC types. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean economic socialists. Think of the difference between a Nancy Pelosi-style Democrat where she's just kind of like a crony capitalist. She's 
pretty self-serving if you ask me. She's made millions and millions of dollars, potentially with insider trading if you look at the numbers. But it's not like she's like, geez, we need a communist revolution. You know what I mean? Like she's just kind of gaming the system. She's in office. She uses it to serve herself, to serve her family, to serve her people. And there's a bunch of corruption, of course, but it's more so just an establishment classic Democrat in office. Whereas with AOC, she will legit be like, yeah, we need socialism in this country. There's nothing wrong with the socialism and the communism of the past. We need to overhaul the economic system of this country right now, replace it with something more more along the lines of a Green New Deal, where the government has much greater say in how the economy operates. This is dangerous, dangerous stuff. There's a huge difference between the policies that she's pushing forward versus the ones that Nancy Pelosi has been advocating for and, and the way that she's operated in D.C. And you see the friction between these two sides. You've seen that over the last handful of years since AOC got into office. But over the years, they've grown the amount of people that are in this socialist squad. They are elected and put into office after winning in their primaries with the support of groups like the Justice Democrats. And over time, they're trying to get more and more people down in D.C. that are like AOC because when leadership positions are opened up, like if Nancy Pelosi steps out of a leadership position. Now, the more they have these socialists, and they're going to call themselves progressive, the more you have these progressive people like AOC in office down there in these kind of votes for leadership positions, you're going to be able to see them have more influence into who gets to have greater say over what kind of legislation is put up for vote, over who gets these leadership positions, and over what the focuses are of the party moving forward for the next term. So like what is going to be in their platform? What are their policy goals? They've been pretty successful at it. And so I'm interested to see how that goes. Again, what usually happens is the squad, they're all members of this thing called the Progressive Caucus. And again, when a leftist calls themselves progressive, it usually means that they are going to cause regressive things to happen in society. Okay, so just run the other way. But what's another thing we can look at? Oh boy, we have the Republicans in a position of power to finally potentially hold Joe Biden and his greedy, corrupt family accountable. Let's look at this recap that I saw from RNC Research that basically goes over everything we need to know about the connections behind closed doors of Joe Biden and the rest of the schmucks involved. His son, Hunter, joining the then vice president on the official visit to Beijing. Unknown to the press back then, Hunter Biden was forming a Chinese private equity fund, planning to raise money, including from Chinese investors. Ten days after the Biden's trip, Shanghai authorities issued the fund's business license. Then Vice President Joe Biden at dinner with his son Hunter, along with Hunter's business associates from Ukraine, Russia and Kazakhstan. And the day after the dinner, a Burisma executive sent a note to Hunter, quoting, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. Hunter's lucrative business dealings often included giving as much as 50 percent of his earnings to his dad. The text read, quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. And uh, Hunter introduced me as uh, this is Tony, dad, uh, the individual I told you about that's helping us with the business that we're working on and the Chinese. The email reads this way, quote, at the moment, there's a provisional agreement that the equity will be distributed as follows. 10 held by Hunter for the big guy. I a thousand percent sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. I met with the former vice president in person multiple times. 
A newly revealed text message shows Bobulinski was apparently warned by business partner James Gillier, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid. Chinese executives admitted to reporters that they were actually introduced to the vice president by Hunter Biden. Hunter and the then vice president seen with a pair of Mexican billionaires. At the same time, Hunter had been working on energy deals in Mexico. Joe Biden also had Hunter and his business partner fly on Air Force Two to Mexico. The president agreed to pay Hunter Biden's legal fees for his business dealings with a Chinese-controlled company. Hunter's assistant reportedly telling a pair of Biden aides, quote, I spoke with Hunter today regarding his bills. It is my understanding that Hunt's dad will cover these bills in the short term. There is photographic evidence of Biden on a golf outing with both his son, Hunter, and a man called Devin Archer, who was another member of the Burisma board. We also know that Devin Archer in that picture had a meeting in the White House, one-on-one meeting with Joe Biden about a week before they joined the Burisma board. His closest business partner, Hunter, has made at least 19 visits to the White House and other official locations, including a sit down with then Vice President Joe Biden in the West Wing. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. So there's that. And then just to really hammer that one home, you guys, here is a reminder of that classic 50% issue that people have brought up again and again and again. This is from The Hill. Over the weekend, we learned that Hunter's lucrative business dealings often included giving as much as 50 percent of his earnings to his dad, President Joe Biden, according to text messages on the old laptop. The text read, quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. Hunter allegedly said to his daughter Naomi in 2019, quote, it's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Pop is. Pop is Joe Biden. Okay, so I showed you that because I want to give you an understanding of what you're going to hear a lot about in the news, and that is the fact that the House majority is going to be investigating Hunter Biden. The House Oversight Chair, the guy's name is James Comer. So keep in mind, like all of the names that we're going to hear, they're kind of new. They're in new positions, or maybe they're new guys that we haven't heard of before. Everybody just got their new positions in the House. And this guy, James Comer, is the congressman who's going to be the leader of the House Oversight Committee. That is what is going to be investigating Joe Biden, our president. Here he is announcing the investigation. This is an investigation of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the president's family. These include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, Violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The Biden family's business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear. This is an investigation 
of Joe Biden. And that's where. Okay. So that's what they're going to be doing. And then another clip, they found some information kind of showing some connections. China buying into American energy or American energy industry as we enter an energy crisis, all because of what? Biden's bad energy policies. So check this one out. At a time when Americans are suffering from high energy prices because of this administration's terrible energy policy, we find evidence that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were involved in a scheme to try to get China to buy liquefied natural gas and from a whistleblower to try to get their foot in the door with, start, with China starting to purchase an interest in natural gas drillers. The people are, are in outrage over China buying farmland in the Dakotas. What about China starting to buy into our American energy industry at a time when we have an energy crisis because of the bad policies of the Biden administration. Now let that sink in. So that's definitely something we should uh, keep our eye on. And then the last one from the House, you guys. This is going to be a good one. I want this the most. The FBI, the Justice Department, the faceless bureaucrats behind closed curtains that are absolutely destroying what our Constitution was originally intended for. I really don't like them, okay? And I have some thoughts on them. We've talked about it before, but I am just so happy to see that we have Jim Jordan, who is very, very focused on handling this, okay? Here we go. The FBI going to quit interfering with elections. 2016, they spied on President Trump's campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, they suppressed information about the Hunter Biden story. 2022, they raided the president's home. 91 days before the election. Maybe it'd be nice if the FBI and the Justice Department just stayed out of it and let we the people decide who we think should represent us, who we think should lead us. That's supposed to be how America works. So this is the focus on the Judiciary Committee, the political nature of the Justice Department, and the linkage now to what was happening with the Hunter Biden story, again, just 15 days before we have a presidential election. Okay, and so the caption of that was Congressman Jim Jordan, the incoming House Republican majority, will hold Biden's politicized Justice Department accountable. That sure would be nice. Now, here's the thing, you guys. These clips are cool to see, right? They're doing their big announcements. They're going to be focusing on this. Maybe they'll have hearings. We'll see some questioning. But at the end of the day, we need more than strongly worded letters passionate press conferences like this, or even just hearings. We want accountability. We want the dismantling of the fourth branch of government, what our founders never intended to be created in the first place, to be in existence in the first place. It's the faceless bureaucrats of the executive branch that are out of control. And so we want more than just passionate speech or strongly worded letters. We want accountability. How does that happen? I think it really comes as well from individual voters on a county level, like when they are speaking to their representative, if the representatives know how important this is to people, they will focus on it in office. They are most directly linked to us. They are the ones who have to get reelected every two years. If we make this an issue that the American people care about, they do have to answer. If our care and attention to this specific issue becomes clear enough to our representatives and they see that, listen, we aren't going to play on this one. We want answers and you are not going to get elected again unless you focus on this now that you do have power. 
That's really the only way forward on this. Before we close up, you guys, I have one more thing, and that is this sad cultural revolution situation. So I saw this video. It's going viral, and it's a young girl. Uh, She looks like a woman of color, as apparently we're supposed to say these days. She's a young woman of color that had a white dad, and she's speaking at his, guess what, his funeral. And she is slamming her father, not because he was some evil man, but because he didn't reach the potential of wokeness that she had hoped for him as a white man in today's society. This is very, very similar to the betrayal between parents and children that we saw in previous communist uprisings. It's called the Cultural Revolution, where you break down the bonds of society that keep you together. So customs, traditions, culture values, religious practices, faith, all of these things, like even holidays, the things that keep our our society, family, our bonds as individuals close-knit, they break them down and they replace that kind of bond and connection with a desire and a love and a, a feel of family almost between individual and the person in power. So if you see your parents committing wrong think in this situation, you're more likely to report your parents, even if you know they're going to get beaten or killed by the regime, because you feel closer tie with daddy government. Now, that's exactly what happened in China, where the, the children of China were sent out to the countryside, sent out to these re-education camps once the communists came to power, and they were retaught. They They're entire curriculum was completely changed. They were re-educated and they were created into this thing called Mao's Red Army. And they had to implement the practices of Mao's Little Red Book. That was the education now. Everything in Mao's Little Red Book was everything a good comrade would embody. And so he had indoctrinated these kids to see him as their father and no family bonds were really established between children and their actual parents. And so the children, and this is not just in China, but they act as little spies in their home. Parents were scared of their children. Children would report their parents, even if it meant that they were going to get beaten or harassed in public or even killed. So it's really, really scary to see this kind of stuff. But here is, what do you know, a, a daughter doing this to her own father at his funeral. Dad, please know that while I am grateful and highly aware of all that you've given this family, I still don't miss you. When you died, I felt like there was a hole. I missed something, but it wasn't you. It was the idea of what you could become. I miss being able to hope and wish that one day you turn a corner and see the world from my perspective. I miss the idea that one day you might help me fight for the things that matter. I missed my fantasy of you. Because when you died, it solidified the fact that you'll never be what you could have been, but only what you are. And what you are is a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, Trump-loving, cis-straight white man. That is all you will ever be to me. And Dad, before you tell me to respect the dead, please remember that you disrespected and disregarded the lives and deaths of entire communities of people with your ideology. You told me to never back down, so I won't. You know for a fact that even against you, I'm not afraid to share my peace. You are everything I aspire not to be, and I refuse to stand up here and sing the praises of a man who is the paradigm of white supremacy. So I'll take your racist mindset, I'll take your money, and I'll take your advice. And I swear to God I will make this world a better place, not at all because of you, but in exact opposition to you. Thank you. Like, what? <laughs> Makes me really, really sad. 
That being said, we've got a republic to save, right? And we've got little snots like that that we got to get out of the way. All right. And I mean that in the nicest, peaceful, most peaceful way possible, guys. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Okay. I'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Okay. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.